1: Welcome It's your Midweek Managing Maduro podcast and we welcome all of our uh, non-patron pods, uh, 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 non-patrons, welcome to the show, sorry about the Monday or Sunday show, I was pretty sick (laughs) and uh, we all had conflicts, we decided to finally take a break uh, for the first time in two years, so um, that being said, we're back and this is for everyone, so welcome Welcome to the show. I'm here. Is your host, Gabe Leser, and I'm joined by Keon Savani. Keon, what's going on, man?
2: In our defense, it may have been the first podcast we've skipped in Yeah. maybe two years.
1: In quite a long time. Quite yeah. a long time. It's been a while, folks. We've doing this podcast for such a long time, um, and we love doing it. That's why. But there's just some days where, like you gotta like you gotta find a way to throw a crew together and every single one of us couldn't make it and we're like you know what it's okay take a break all right
2: and they're all valid excuses i came up with the list i yes (laughs) sunday we were celebrating lucas first birthday you had food poisoning matt wilsey was traveling and uh oh marvin literally said i can't tonight i'm shopping so
1: yeah that's totally Mm. regular valid excuse yeah um Um, but yeah, so we have a lot to get to because obviously um, it's been a bit of uh, time since we last talked to you. There's been a fair amount of World Cup that has been played. <laughs> uh, Keon, have we? We haven't actually spoken to anyone since we've begun to know the groups that got el- the teams that got eliminated, teams that went through.
2: Right. I I can't remember a World Cup like this where everything that we predicted just didn't happen. Well, I can only speak for myself. All my predictions have been shit like so far. It's just—it's yeah. just crazy. I—I I mean, I'm happy. I'm—you know what? It's actually a good thing to have your predictions wrong because it's just a sign of the greatness of the World Cup, um, bringing yes, you these, these cool moments. But all of the quote-unquote smaller nations, um, in terms of football, they've. They've been tremendous, and a lot of the big teams just have struggled breaking them down, and and it's it's caused upsets. It's caused you know, with would you say what two team two big teams have looked good? Belgium and England so far. The rest have been so many it. question marks. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, I will say that people who are getting worked up about France um, and their incredibly professional draw against Denmark <laughs> uh, should chill a little bit. I think France has looked all right. They haven't looked great, but they've looked all right. And Germany or Brazil has looked all right in stretches. So um, I'm, I think that there are some, some of the big teams are still playing up to standard, but you know, all of the ones that a lot of the pre tournament favorites aren't looking good. Obviously Keon today, Germany was eliminated in the group stage for the first time uh, ever in the history of Germany in this competition. They were eliminated. Um, so I would like to give a big little uh, suck it to everyone who told me that there was no chance that Jogi Löw would uh, leave his job at the end of the World Cup for Germany. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I want to say that because I was saying that the one of the big reasons that I thought that Spain's decision to you know fire Tege two days before the World Cup was stupid is that every coach and every team knows going into the World Cup that the coach might get fired after it. Every single one. We've already seen Egypt fire its national team coach. I think Jogi Love is probably going to resign from the German national team. I would. He disgraced. They were a disgrace this World Cup. Uh, so I just think that that was part of the whole reason why the Spanish FA was such a such a disaster class in in managing the uh, the national team.
2: So I don't I don't know if he's going to even have a choice. Like he may resign just just to just to they make it look give him like a that. better situation than it yeah. is. But um, if you're going to leave out a bunch of good players, um, both out of the squad and also on the starting lineup, it better mean that the players you put in, like you have some kind of tactical thing planned. None of that was apparent to me when watching Germany in this World Cup. Defensive transition, terrible. Players out of position. Um, today, watching them, I really felt like Everyone watching them in the stadium and on TV knew Germany's next move. It was just to get it out to Kimmich and cross it. Yeah. At yep. least when everyone criticized the Mario Gomez stuff. At least when he came in, they had someone to cross yeah, it to.
1: That's right. And let's all let's be clear that they had options to win that game at various points and they just simply couldn't convert. I mean, all props to Korea. They had they played a wonderful game and I think their keeper especially was incredible. But I mean Matt Hummel's had a free header on goal where he was maybe six meters from the, like six yards from the goal. Like there was nothing there. He was he was right at the right at the six yard box. Yeah. And he he wasn't even marked. So and he just missed it. He hit it with his shoulder instead of his head. Like they they had all these options. I mean, Tony Kroos was basically the only player that played well for Germany, I thought, in that match, but I mean, really even, even like our, our our beautiful star child Tony was uh was kind of it's hard for a distributor and, and connector and and kind of player like Tony to play well when no one else on his team seems to be interested.
2: Well, you look at today. I'm like, first of all, I think you. I guess we haven't talked since uh, the last game where he scored that last second goal against Sweden. Um, no, we haven't. Yeah, yeah, everyone pounced on him for the mistake. His first mistake in three million years, um, leading up to the goal conceded. That second half from Kroos was one of the best performances I've seen in this tournament. Um, he just took over, and then he capped yeah. it with that ridiculous goal, which the angle, the velocity, everything had to be so perfect, and it was. Yep. Yeah. Um, if you look at the game today, he's playing way deeper than Khedira, and still he's like the only guy. And Ozil at, in at, at the some, Ozil was terrible. On this Ozil match. was terrible. I thought like to terrible start, the whole cup. To start, he was he had some nice passes, but then Korea just took away from the space and he just folded into the darkness. And Kroos was like the one guy who at least tried to have something unpredictable, some nice vertical passes, and he was playing so deep. Um, I didn't understand, and it sounded like South Korea were a great counter-attacking team, like Mexico and Sweden, on on Mexico and Sweden's level even. Um, though they did create some danger and they probably created the best chances overall in the first half, but I thought. You could have gotten away with freeing Cruz from that deep role, trying to get him higher to connect the dots a little bit, and say what you want about Leroy Sané. And, and you know you can you can say that he didn't make the squad because his performances with the national team have been bad. Yeah, he, yeah. He also hasn't played the position. And today, if you put him on the flank, at least you have something creative, like something unpredictable that you needed today because you, everything was predictable.
1: Yep uh in addition um i wanted to i think focus on another big real madrid um you know big conglomeration of real madrid players in spain who had a very very intense 2-2 draw with morocco um which was an incredibly incredibly bad game from spain Keon, just just an embarrassment i think uh they they you know by all accounts they should probably have lost that game and not just by a little bit, by two, maybe three goals. And if they I mean it just seems to vindicate all the people that were saying this Yero is a disaster and it's not that he would have is doing stuff that totally different from Lovitegie would have done. It just seems to me that the players are totally checked out.
2: Yeah. I um that that the game against Morocco and also Iran were both very underwhelming, um, which was disappointing because you came off this really fun game against Portugal and everyone's like, oh, even despite the draw on Ronaldo putting the team on his back, Spain were pretty good. And it was exciting. And we I don't know if I was talking to you about this or somebody else, but we all came away from the first round of matches saying, oh, Spain is the only big team that's actually playing well um, and how quickly things can turn. And my theory on this is, yeah, there's a lot of things that Spain should have done differently. um, Right. I really think the bigger teams will probably look better against other big teams as crazy as that sound. I agree no, with that. No, like if if Spain face I don't know, uh Croatia, Brazil, Argentina, they're not going to sit in a deep low block like Morocco and Iran did. Like they if you watch Iran play, they didn't want to press because they knew what it meant if Spain sucked them yeah. in and then just broke yeah. them. Um other teams are gonna press high. There's a lot of things. Iran and about, Morocco
1: but. are both teams that actually I mean, Morocco especially is a team that that really does get after it up the pitch and and really normally against opposition that's not Spain would be in a high press. But um Spain is basically a team that's built to beat a high press when they're when they're kind of mentally checked in. They literally like that is like the one thing that you you is very hard to pull off against this Spain team. But they were not checked in, and Morocco and Iran both, when they got those like deep interceptions, because of the way Spain was playing against like I think purportedly small teams who they assumed would be, you know, unable to counterattack with such vigor, um, had their fullbacks all the way up the pitch, and basically Iniesta was playing as like a, a false left fullback um, uh, uh, half the time. It was it was not <laughs> this was not a great set up for spain so whenever the uh one of these teams broke they just broke hard and right at goal and you know both of the big goals that were scored came from that kind of thing
2: well i think the the defending the counterattacks has been bad i mean no one probably as bad as germany in this world cup but um it's been vulnerable um and i and i don't like the fact that ramos and pk are almost always in a situation where they either are committing a mistake or they're Trying to cover up a mistake, um, and Carvajal yeah. and Alba are, haven't been that good defensively. And Carvajal, to me, still has not returned from the old Carvajal yet. He just no, not has yet. made a bunch of mistakes in this tournament. And I would be, and I would be, and I strongly would consider if I was Hierro to actually put Nacho in there. I know that might be crazy, but um, Carvajal. I don't think it's crazy. It's not. It's not. It's not Carvajal. He's not. I feel like he's not there mentally yet. He's making a ton of mistakes um it's not like he's also providing much offense right now and I um, mean
1: speaking yeah. of people who might not be all there mentally De Gea there's been a lot of chatter in Spain about whether it's the smart play is to bench De Gea for the next round and I don't think it's too crazy to say that Kepa might be might be the choice
2: yeah I, I, I every day it's like you wake up to quotes that the Spanish players are being asked about De Gea um I. I, I mean, know. he
1: has not looked good. I mean, he he's he made his first World Cup save in the third game this World Cup.
2: Yes, um, I'm going to provide a counter, not to excuse him, but uh, to be clear, I
1: don't think I would bench him. I'm just saying. Well, I
2: Spain can... and Spain just dominate the ball so much. Like even if you, even if the games against Morocco and Iran were underwhelming, they saw like three million percent possession, and then. Their expected goals were also way higher and then the other team just by default having less opportunities on goal De Gea is going to be tested less I guess the issue is not so much that he's only made one save or whatever it's that the ones he had particularly against Portugal just have it hasn't been up to par no um and I guess what we can maybe take away from this tournament you know newer included um
1: who by the way sentenced germany to to being eliminated today yeah. when he was sweeper keepering halfway up the pitch and korea got in behind him and put put the second goal on the board at three minutes gone an extra time
2: well Crazy. even in the first half there was that free kick where he just fumbled it was right at him and he fumbled yeah, it. and um a lot of great players uh great keepers will make mistakes um whether it's to whether it's kaylor whether it's newer um i'd expect De Gea would also step up and and make some big saves as well in conjunction yeah. to that. I don't know the ones against Iran uh, was it Morocco Morocco sorry.
1: Morocco it he seemed, had a huge save against se- Morocco. Yeah it actually.
2: seemed a bit harsh to criticize him for that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I actually thought Morocco was his best game. So uh and despite the fact that he got two goals but by, by him um and that really there should have been third <laughs> went off literally the up like the corner of the upright and the post so like or, uh, uh, yeah in the bar. So like you know he could he could have let in four goals pretty easily, um, but he did make that game saving save on the where on the play where Morocco threw the ball behind uh, I think it was Carvajal uh, on a long throw with the player sitting in slightly yeah, yeah obviously yeah. in in totally legal position that a normal pass would be offside they yanked it classic in classic old school Real Madrid fashion Roberto Carlos used to do this play all the time Keon. Yeah. and uh, no one was. Like, all, both of the center backs were totally out of it. Ramos, you know, basically didn't even try to jog back, and De Gea made the save.
2: Yeah, I, um, I think the talking points in that game in particular, I, you know what? Overall, just in general, the talking points shouldn't, shouldn't be about De Gea. Like, everyone is freaking out about De Gea. I'm not saying De has been great, but I'm saying I'm surprised that that is the main talking point in, like, yeah, every press conference and not... Hey, how come Spain can't break Iran and Morocco down? Um, do they not have the tools to do it? Do Isco, and Iniesta, and David Silva not getting each other's way? Um, do does is Diego Costa just not is completely isolated? Like none of these things are the talking points, which are surprising to me.
1: That's interesting. I I have felt like the Spanish machine on offense has looked pretty good. They they against. I mean, if you just look at the expected goals totals, that's about where you need to have it for Spain that's not been my issue as much. I would like them to put away their chances more, but I'm okay with them getting high XG as long as, um, you know, and, and using this, this kind of formula. I have a lot of tweaks that I would do to the lineup, but I don't have a huge complaint with the offense. Mine is uh, it's not De Gea that I have a problem with. It's the defense generally. And if you look at Spain's last world cup in 2010, I mean, Spain basically didn't let in goals that world cup. game. Had, and like, this is such a wild difference from that. It's just upsetting to think that the defense has uh, devolved so much since then that, you know, they would, they would, I mean, I know we had Casillas doing hero keeping. We, there were a fair amount of other different things, but my, oh my, is, you know, that Spain basically was giving up one to zero goals per game. And if you're, if, if you can do that, this Spain team can win the world cup. If they can, if they can continue to do that just based on the XG, but Man, do they not? Um, are they? If they're gonna give up three, two, three, even four goals, like there's okay. no way they even make it past. I mean, they can get beat upset by Russia. Wouldn't that shock me that much?
2: Well, I think, um, I think that what that Spain had in 2010 was that not only could they keep the ball, but they could also just. Del Bosque was so conservative with this, like you know the double pivot with a Chabi Alonso and Busquets. Like you're just. It's gonna be very difficult to break that down, you know. Yeah. Um yeah. in this Which case, is why
1: everyone's calling for Coke as the yeah. as the Busquets um pairing in a double pivot. Like I think that's the probably the right play. That's the first game what he what Yerro what went with and it's the way Spain has played best.
2: Well I think if uh I'll be honest, like and I and I I don't really don't feel like I'm being biased or like a homer here. I don't know where the Spain team would be without East offensively. Because to me, like pretty much every great offensive sequence is through him, and you can, and there's other players involved like Iniesta and Silva, but Isco is the guy who can actually break everyone down. He he runs tirelessly, hounds presses, um, without the ball, he's always showing for it. He's not shy at all, and he's just in every position trying to make it work. And I feel like the rest of the team can be a bit stagnant if he's his motor is just not endless. Um, and I also think so. I'd be curious to know what your lineup changes are, um, Gabe. But to me, uh, yeah, I am.
1: Yeah. I, I can tell you. Um, yeah. For example, I mean, I think the the Koke one is obvious. I think Spain should against. Um, I think against different opponents, Spain should rotate the forward. Um, I would. I would try an Esco as a false nine against maybe a uh, a, a team that. Um, I don't know against a team that maybe bunkers a little bit more. Um, I I don't love. I mean, I just I've never thought that Co- that Costa really fits with the Spanish style the way this team was set up to play. That being said, he does offer a huge amount um, as this kind of classic target striker. He just what he doesn't do very well is drop back and be another midfielder, which Spain needs him to do a lot to open up space in behind him for those cutting runs from the flanks, from Silva, from Isco, from Iniesta i mean i I personally probably would bench Iniesta um and in favor of of maybe Saul, but i I think that you know I understand why Iniesta maybe sticks around, but I would yank him at about fifty minutes every single game. I wouldn't let him play past 50. I think he stopped running basically then.
2: yeah, I think that that those are the question marks I would have had also so one um uh, Iniesta to me is like an elephant in the room because everyone loves him and whatever um. Once or twice or thrice a game, he has a brilliant play that, yeah. that changes the game and it's like worth it. Um, he's not the same Iniesta Bol who could just waltz past tight spaces and whatever. Um, so I agree with having a shorter leash with them, taking him off, even like after an hour mark and Yeah, and, yeah, You yeah. know, it's not like Spain lack resources and there's a drop off when he comes off. Um, the other one, Diego Costa, I think we saw like the benefit of having Diego Costa against Portugal where he basically bounced off Pepe and uh, two other players (laughs) (laughs) and then um but against morocco if you look at the past maps that were released after he's the tiniest dot and there's nothing and i don't know if it's directly correlated to this but those few instances where he did receive it maybe he was cold because he just looked awful with his touch yeah he was in good positions he just couldn't capitalize um and do anything so and then you know Aspas and Rodrigo are, are at worst are like seamless fits that just come in and wreak havoc and and That's you know the thing. move and stuff <laughs> like that so
1: so you don't really even need to do Isco as a false nine i mean Iago Aspas is basically a false sign because, I mean, yeah, sure, he, played as a, he plays as a forward for Celta, but he's not at all what we would call a traditional forward. He's much more in that Spain mold of Villa who, who can play on the wings easily, easily also. Um. Uh, but, I was thinking, yeah. I, I'm basically ready to move on from Spain. Yeah, I
2: think so. There's actually questions about Spain that will bring us back okay. anyway. Yeah. All
1: right, perfect, perfect. Well, do we have, I mean, I think the other people, like the other big madridistas who are out there, are play, almost every one of uh, uh, the, this Real Madrid side is playing really well in this World Cup. Um, I don't think anyone's really underperforming other than maybe Ramos um, and Carvajal, who is not really healthy. Uh, but I would, I would add that um, I think Modric so far is in the player of the tournament.
2: Wow, um, I I couldn't argue against that. Really, I think he's been like that. The masterclass against Argentina was amazing.
1: He's the beating heart of that yeah. shockingly good Croatia side, who I think are a semifinal and a final candidate this season, this this World Cup, especially I, on the side of the bracket they're on. But, I
2: felt yeah. I felt bad for Iceland because uh, the the news broke that Croatia was going to rest six key players. It ended up being like nine, I think and then you see like two of the players who came in to give racket to trust. First of all, Motors continued to start and then Kovacic came in was <laughs> was really good. Kramaric who to me should also be starting. Um it's a really good team. I'm uh, I I don't know how long they continue it cuz I think possibly this group may have looked made them look a bit better than they are and uh, I think Argentina would, would have probably given them a lot of confidence cuz Argentina is just they just scraped through when it was really unimpressive. But I'd be curious to know. I'm so curious to know so many things. And mostly curious to know how big teams play against each other. Will they elevate their game? I think that's the the part I'm really interested in right now.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think that's the that's the million-dollar question that everyone is looking for right now. I I don't really know what the answer is. In terms of former Real Madrid players, both Team Maria and Higuain have looked terrible for Argentina. So
2: Yeah, I couldn't have like wrote a better script than when he Guain missed that chance, like late <laughs> and no one in no. Argentina was to advance yet.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was hilarious. <laughs> uh, I would um let's see if there are there any other Madridistas that we should point out. I don't I don't think so. Um I mean Baran has looked I thought I mean he is so good. <laughs>
2: yeah he's just he's been so solid. Good.
1: Yeah. And France, I mean, he's been a rock for France. And one of the cool things about that team is that Varane stands basically right next to N'Golo Kante, who is maybe two feet shorter than him. <laughs> it looks like it. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so that's sort of our roundup for now. We have the Brazil-Serbia um, um, group coming up this afternoon. We we are recording before that. We're recording after Germany was eliminated in that um, shock match against Korea. Um, and uh, I think we can jump into questions if you're ready, uh, Kian.
2: Did you see, just before we move on, did you see the tweet that um, one of the Brazilian outlets posted after Germany was eliminated? No, um, it was I think it was like Fox Brazil or something like that, and uh they just they've just put ha 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 and caps lock like copy and paste it for like five pages as a tweet
1: <laughs> 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 um, oh my God. it would be
2: very and uh you know i guess I guess it would be very amusing if Brazil somehow laid the laid some eggs today, but I don't think they will but.
1: Doesn't um, seem like, but it is very funny.
2: Well, now Brazilians are quote-tweeting the the Tony Kroos famous tweet, uh, Feliz 2018, with the Brazilian Germany flag, cause, or 2017, because it was 7-1. Um, so now people are starting to laugh, uh, trying to get their digs in.
1: Yeah, you know, um, that's he still owned you guys, so sorry. Like, Germany, like, going out... Right in in the group stage is funny, but it's not as funny as that game. There's not much that is as funny as being owned that hard on your own in your own stadium, uh, in your World Cup that is basically made for you to win. So I <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Like I'm I feel like I feel for the Brazilians getting their kicks in, but um, and I'm not a Germany fan or anything, but uh, yeah, that I mean that Tony Kroos 2017 tweet is still. One of the great, one of the great owns. (laughs) Uh, I have not, I didn't see that though. That's awesome. Um, I've seen, there's been like a lot of pretty epic stuff going on though. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy. There's a lot of funny material out there. Everyone should be following. And, you know, obviously um, you can come fight with me about VAR and about the handball rule, which I think makes no goddamn sense and can't figure out how it's being called. (laughs) And we have a question in fact, on, uh, VAR so I'm just gonna jump into that. That's cool. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. All right. So Surav, um Wants us to talk about VAR and he says um, So far VAR has favored the big teams and world in the World Cup um, Even yesterday in the Argentina and Nigeria game Argentina were favored as per VAR. What are your views on this? Um well, I mean, I think you just have to look at the Germany Korea game where Germany had their entire hopes of qualifying wiped out by VAR giving a goal back to Korea. I don't know. I, I this is I think this is nonsense. I I mean, it may be true, but it's it has no bearing on VAR. I think.
2: I think. Um. To me, I'm I'm gen- genuinely shocked that so many people have been upset about VAR this World Cup. Like just just flabbergasted. Like I I think. It's done so much good in this tournament,
1: oh my God, <laughs> so
2: much good um that if that didn't exist, I would hate to see the controversies surrounding this tournament and the referees. I think it's been fantastic. Has it been perfect? No, but you know what's okay. better than uh you know what? It's progress. It's huge progress.
1: huge progress. Yeah. it's it's I mean, let's say I still think there have been some bad calls, but at least the bad calls have been looked at given a second look, and the referees still made the same call. That is a huge progress in and of itself. And more than anything, we keep having good, like bad calls, race and the right calls put back on. I mean, just like just because Spain um, got a goal put back on, like, you know, correctly allowed. Right. Do- and in stoppage time doesn't mean it's favoring. It means Spain scored. That was a legal goal that was called off. Yeah. That is a wrong call. Yeah. So. If it's favoring the big teams, it's because the referees are making calls on the field that are not favoring the big teams and they're being reviewed and then they're saying, Oh wait, this is actually okay and the referees are calling the game against the big team.
2: Well, not only that, but let's say if there are mistakes, um you can't you can't blame VAR because ultimately it's a referee mistake, not a VAR mistake. Right. <laughs> you know I guess if there's a mistake, the referee makes the call. So you're getting mad at a technology when, you, when if there's a mistake, it's the, it's, it's, a, it's the referee that makes a mistake, not the technology. Right.
1: Because all the technology does is set up situations where the referee is supposed to be forced to review game-changing calls. You understand? Like it, 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 That's it. And the referee, in, in, in almost every case, the referee has reviewed a game-changing call and either seen that he was correct or seen that he was made a mistake, and then made the, the appropriate decision. And sometimes, and maybe we hope two or three times the referees seen the game-changing call and decided that he stands by his call in the field and gone back out. And like, you know, that's not the technology's fault that the referee didn't make that call.
2: Yeah, hundred percent agree. I I'm, I don't even know how there's any other way to look at it. That like that's it. That's just it.
1: Yeah. Um. All right. Let's move on then. Um. And if you want to read more about this, you can read my article I wrote on VAR. Um, I'm also – I'm thinking about writing an article on the handball rule, um, kind of analyzing it and you know, why it's produced a fair amount of controversy in this World Cup. I think it, um, one way that it can be fixed is by, um, uh, uh, by having a clearer understanding of, of the unnatural position rule. Um, and giving that to not just the referees, but also publishing that so everyone can understand what that means. Um, but anyways, I will write that up. Um, all right. So while dos Santos asks us, um, the British media is reporting that Asensio could move to Liverpool and in an interview, he didn't rule it out. Is this seriously a possibility? Surely all parties involved would regret it except Liverpool. Of course. <clears throat>
2: Um, I the the wording that Asensio gave made it complicated because he didn't deny anything. He just said, we'll talk about it later. And that, that uh, didn't help anything. It came out of nowhere also, to be sure. I think it's probably just one of those things that we see every year and we see from many players every single year that they just want better situations for themselves financially and also just to play more. And as we know, Real Madrid has a ton of players who are fantastic and young and are not sure starters because they're amid a generation of legends who are who are still arguably in their peak. Um, I to me I think this is just smoke will just will just go away. It's my favorite. I agree. Yeah.
1: I think again, I think he wants a raise. I've said this a while. Like I think Asensio um, he got his You've got to yank when your career allows for you to raise your salary. You've got to yank on that chain and just keep moving that ball forward. And I think that's what Asensio is looking for. That's literally it, I think. And it would be crazy of Madrid not to up his salary and maybe up his buyout a little bit. I mean, obviously, Madrid have all the leverage in this situation. The only way Asensio is possibly going to leave because, he, again, he has a buyout of $700 million. The only yeah. way he's leaving is if he literally makes it so unpleasant and nightmarish for Madrid to keep him that they are forced to sell him which is Madrid's tactic in getting anyone, but, you know, it it doesn't happen to Madrid that much. Uh, But he also has a, he's also a really good, important player, and Madrid don't want him to be upset and, you know, thinking about maybe leaving the club at any point in the next, like, 10, 15 years. So just give him, pay him his money. Pay him his money. It's not that complicated.
2: Yeah, I I, I think this will fade.
1: Yeah. in similar uh, similarly, Anthony Lombardi asks, us, uh, "What do you make of these Kovacic rumors, where some reports say Madrid won't take anything less of 350 million, and that's according to Marca, uh, where, whereas some reports say he has a release clause around 50 million, which for sure would be sought out?" Um, though I, I think there are two things for me. Um, again, I think Kovacic may just want a raise. So uh, my my bet is that Kovacic actually hasn't had a raise since he's arrived at Madrid, and so maybe time. Um, I also think that if he'd had a 50 million euro release clause, someone would have activated it last summer after he played a very important role throughout the year for Madrid. And it's not just like the like high-end clubs that might have activated it. It's like a, you know, I think Tottenham probably would have gone and gotten him if he had that lower release clause um, in uh, uh, like last season. You know, and after this season where he's played another incredibly important role, I think that people would have looked to activate his release clause already. So I, I don't know.
2: Well, from what we know, that release clause is outdated and it's north of like two hundred and seventy million now. And this was renegotiated last season with Flo. Uh, because they bought him for thirty million. There's no way his buy a class is gonna be fifty million. Um, yeah. It so I and I, I was shocked though it was uh, the game against Croatia played against uh Iceland. And the commentator was like very de facto Kovacic just leaving Real Madrid this summer. Like I was like, you can't just say that on air. There's like not even anything close to being. It's also
1: no one really knows what's going to happen. Like to to make that statement as a fact, when I mean most Real Madrid commentators and media would suggest that at best it's a 50-50 shot that he leaves, and at at best at, at best. And I I personally think there's very little chance that he leaves, uh, given the way that everyone in the in Madrid loves him. So. I just don't see him going anywhere.
2: Yeah. I think he's I think he's going to stay. Um and and also just we should we should also mention that everything we know like within club circles they every single person there in, within the club sees Kovacic as a very important piece yeah, replacing long-term. Modric. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I just he's I think they see him as the, the really future valued. present and future really around Real Madrid's midfield. So I I I don't I don't think he's leaving. So um Shaky Teary asks this, Um is it just me or is Ali Wagner the worst commentator Fox has this year? All right. I was going to say I totally disagree with this take. I think she's great. Um, so, yeah, I, I actually thought she was – she's just miles and miles ahead of the um, uh, JP and the whatever the like other dude um, American guy who calls like these big games are. She's so much better than them. I'd rather have her – and, um, yeah, I just, I don't, I don't agree. All
2: right. I don't have Fox sports, so I can't comment, but I take your word for it.
1: Um, she, and then the other one is, uh, <laughs> uh, 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 Perez Trujillo and, uh, sorry, Perez Navarro and Trujillo, the, uh, duo that came over from Mexican TV who commentated English are the single best commentators, I think, on Fox sports. Those two guys, I would watch every single game that they commentated. I will, I don't care who's fucking playing. They're amazing. Um, all right. His, his next part, uh, Harry Kane is ahead of Cristiano now. Um, Iran has shown, all right, no, I guess this is part of this, but well, let's see. Um, I don't know what this, this is about. All right. This was,
2: uh, I think this is an old question
1: that came in. Yeah. Before. Okay. Uh, speaking of Kane, I think this is the, the meat of this question. Speaking of Kane, is there any chance he'd come to Madrid this summer? Any rumors? His goals were not impressive today, but his everything else was very impressive. Um, He's very much like Peak Benzema, but stronger and better. Finally, why didn't Argentinians name a building after Messi? They were afraid it would collapse. Oh, um, that doesn't make any sense now, unfortunately. No, but
2: but the, when, it, when he submitted the question... It was it a pretty good don't. Yeah. Uh, um,
1: <laughs> the I, Harry Kane think thing is... Um, I love Harry Kane, man. Yeah. He's so good. And he's showing off this World Cup. That's a bad sign for Tottenham. Real Madrid does tend to go out and get the people that look really good at the World Cup. So...
2: Well, we always talk like you know. There was a, a tiny narrative that it existed last season that Harry Kane was just a nine and why does Real Madrid need a, a pure striker? Like because he's not just a pure striker, he can do so much more. And like you know, we often talk about Firmino's intelligence without, without the ball, his ability to drop deep, do defensive work, connect the dots. Harry Kane does that too, by the way. Yeah. Um he's yeah. not as he doesn't maybe drop as deep, but uh, he's he can he can create plays and he can move. And I think. Um, he is, to me, the ideal person for that position. If this was just like a draft pick and I could just choose anyone for that role, I'd choose him. But it makes it complicated that he signed a new deal. Um yeah. which doesn't necessarily rule it out hundred percent, but Louis is not going to be easy to negotiate with. And that that that's why I just don't see it realistic. And I don't Harry Kane doesn't strike me as the type of person who would no, 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 barge no, no. into the office and, and you like sell me now or I'm not gonna play.
1: So let's be clear, Gareth Bale didn't seem like that either. Um I will say um I will say that I think it would have been much more likely if Madrid had gotten Pochettino that he would have come with Harry Kane. Um sure. but I think and I think it's possible that in the future Pochettino is still very much a coaching option for Real Madrid down the line. So you know, if, if that is in the next you know, year or two, if Lopetegui, the reign of Lopetegui isn't great at Madrid and and they're looking for a kind of new project and they bring in Poch, I think that very well could bring Kane with him. That um, would be
2: a nice combo, my friend.
1: Yeah. yeah, that was I've been thinking about that for a while. I think that that is one of the better ways to get Kane is to just bring him with um with his coach. Uh Daniel Smith asks us, by the way, Daniel Smith, um, everyone should go to realmadridchamps.com, buy your shirts now. They are awesome, everybody. They're uh, amazing. They're so so cool. They are. uh, So the Warriors had these three-peat championship t-shirts, they had these rings, um, and the Warriors didn't even have back-to-back to back. -back. So I said, we should make these shirts into, or these uh, Warrior shirts, turn them into Real Madrid shirts. And that's exactly what Daniel did. They're incredibly dope. RealMadridChamps.com, buyers today. So Daniel um, actually also wants to know, so he says, um, how do you think Lopetegui would have played versus Iran, and what is Spain missing tactically without him there moving forward?
2: I don't know what Lopetegui would have done, um, but I know that I think he would have probably made some adjustments that he didn't make. Like, I don't know, have we talked about this? I know I've talked about it with Diego, but his substitutions are like, three hours too late. Um, he just rolls with... I mean, I can understand a coach sticking to his guns and and believing in his system or whatever, but we know generally the best time to make subs sub is around an hour mark. And to me, he just looks at a bunch of problems and just and just doesn't react to it. Um, yeah. And, and so the subs are late. Like Diego Costa and Ninesa, we've already talked about, kind of stay in maybe too long. And... I don't know. There's there's interesting players in this tournament that have not played yet. And I mentioned this to Diego. I think Saul would be an interesting option. I'm not saying Lopetegui would go this
1: route, but... I think Asensio would have played more also. Asensio I'll would have say played
2: that. more too, I think. Although we either... Maybe you don't see Asensio more, but you would see him or Aspas more, I think. Yeah. Um, Again, does Lopetegui stick with Carvajal for... For more games does he i mean we're talking about nacho who was was just fantastic against portugal right um he has a speed to defend the counterattacks that spain looks so vulnerable in carvajal's area um there's adjustments he made i don't know i'm not a huge fan of this double pivot with busquets uh, and and tiago or, or someone else I, th- I agree with you i think coque would be interesting i think saul will be interesting just for the fact that he's very direct and he can shoot and spain took a bunch of long-range shots against morocco that were so abysmal that they weren't even close to hitting their target i think we've talked about spain's problems before i don't know what lobetegui would have done but i think we know that he would have probably made some adjustments at least
1: yeah i think so i also think that lobetegui um he had the team behind him in a way that it's not at all clear to me that hierro does and um just like with real madrid i mean i know you're not asking about this but um there is a man management aspect to this. And I think that Lovathegi, we don't know, but I think that Lovathegi would have been able better, done a better job at managing the actual like intensity and focus of the players going into these matches. Like, you know, I think that one of the big things that was going on with Spain's defense is just simple it's very simple it's just lack of focus. They assume these teams are going to roll over for them or Gramos maybe even does it unconsciously It's the same mistakes that he was making whenever Real Madrid played kind of a mid or low table team in la liga and uh the other the teams are breaking and they're scoring at a at a shocking rate so i mean um
2: i yeah i i don't I don't know I think like this this spain team has so many question marks and hiero one of the things he said before the tournament started like when he was appointed and and lopetegui was sacked that whole fiasco he 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 said that we can't undo everything lopetegui did in two days before the world cup and i think he's also very conservative in his approach so he's not he's not the type of person who's going to come and revolutionize things i think also he takes the safe bets with the older players playing them in the same positions we've been you know seeing them which is fine but i think um, there is a bit of a lack of ingenuity there. Again, like I think we can talk about Spain and their offense and stuff. To me, I think if Isco isn't at the level he's at, I don't think Spain even possibly don't even get out of the group. I think Isco, in a way, is carrying a lot of the load offensively and masking yeah. some of the issues. And I think, um, well, having said that, maybe Chiero could come out and, and totally revolutionize it next game because there was that report Um from one of the Spanish journalists who are with within the Spain camps, saying that there is talk that they will change things drastically and put Nacho in the midfield, which which I don't really believe, but um, I don't know. I, we could see changes coming. I'd be really interested to see what Hero does or if he just sticks to what he's doing.
1: Yeah, um, I don't know. I don't. I wouldn't see. I. I, I can I don't think it's even. Um, we can even speculate about how they would have changed it up. We did see. Though we did see Lopetegui um, be more flexible, I think tactically. I just, I, I, really do. I think that all we've seen from Yero are minimal tweaks around the edges of the starting lineup. One player per game has shifted, and um, I think I think Lopetegui may very well have, have taken you know bigger tactical shifts from game to game. Um, so let, next one. Um, Azian Rios asks. Us, um, hi, hi. Um, I just heard your patron pod. Uh, where you spoke about transfers and the reliability of Spanish media. I love being up to date with Madrid news, but it seems like certain press, Mark Ganás, could potentially create scenarios to push their agenda, while others, Mundo Deportivo and Sport, create stories to push their agenda against Madrid. You mentioned that some of these public... Yes, I agree with that. You mentioned that some of these publications might not give accurate news because they don't really have insider information. Um, okay, so that I don't think that's exactly the way I would say it. Um I think that some a lot of these papers do have insider information and sources and whatnot. But I think they uh, will kind of pick and choose how to frame a story. Um, I don't think these guys mostly deliberately lie. I mean, at least in, in a way that could be proved. I think it's more that they, you know, manipulate uh, stories and, and what their sources are saying to kind of create a narrative. You understand? Like, uh, I don't know if that makes sense, Kian.
2: Yeah, I think – well, I think uh, a way to put it is that someone like, by the way, just before I even say say this, I just being around you know journalists and kind of in those circles in Madrid as much as I am, uh, I've come to know the fact that AS has zero sources, uh, and so and and it's because of some some things that have happened in the past few years that Real Madrid just completely cut off every single tie with them, and Marca does have some, but I think to your point. They will pick and choose, um, and and say like you know our sources say or whatever that this happened, knowing that some of them are true and some of them won't be, um, and they know that even if they get some of them right, they'll remain. Somewhat reputable and can continue. And they, to yeah, you
1: it. have to kind of listen to what they're saying because yeah. it, it might be the one in one in three that they right. they actually are telling you the truth on, or like and the, the, the two story. out of
2: three they're not telling the truth on is they they have that they do that because that's how they generate their their clicks.
1: That's right, and yeah. also because they want. I mean, they there is like a, a definitely a feeling that that each one of these papers has their own kind of feeling that they want, and from what I what I would say. Before and and above and beyond anything, both Marca, especially Marca Marca and us, have even less less of a Real Madrid agenda that um, in terms of like, you know, I mean, obviously they have what players they want, but they what they really are partisans of the Spanish players and Spanish national team. So if there's ever like a Spanish player that could be taking over the spot of a a foreign player, they're going to want that. So, for example, Asensio taking over Bale's spot in the lineup, they're going to call for that whenever they can, basically and you know these kind of picks like bringing in Odriothola all these things if that if that stands in the way of say uh Ashraf or someone else like good that's probably good but that's that's and like that's just kind of my impressions of this um, i think it's pretty funny though i would forgotten that stuff about us but i did i did remember when you told me that um, it makes a lot of sense actually um uh, so his question is, I think it's a fair question: Is there any publication out there that is neutral on Real Madrid, or at least reliable enough to give us more accurate transfer news? Um, for example, Cope Chiringuito, Chiringuito is <laughs> it's, it's, it's laughably, laughably um, just hyperbolic about everything. All of these places give a Cope and Chiringuito both occasionally hit on their transfer news. By the way, just yeah. they're also like laughably hyperbolic. Here, here's what I would say: Every single person that we have hosted on this podcast is a actual good journalist who has sources and doesn't kind of uh, oversell. Mm-hmm. You understand? So, like, if Sid Lowe is saying something, I think that you can take, not necessarily take it to the bank that it's going to happen, but you can have a pretty good idea that he has sourced that. You know what I'm saying? If Phil Ball says that, if any of the people that, that write about Spain that, can that you've brought on the show, I think they all are, are going to have a good source. Yeah,
2: because when they, when they, because they don't spend their entire day Tweeting about rumors and shit. Uh, so they don't. So when they do say something, it'll be like once a year, and you kind of will listen. Uh, right. Whereas the other publications, which is just every ten seconds, it's like
1: rumor, 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 and it's just right. Yeah. I would. I would um, also say that I wouldn't cut off listening to all this stuff. I mean, the I think the way to be most informed about it is to know in the back of your mind what the biases of the place are and um, what the agenda might be, and then you know try to co- co- corroborate it if you see for example the report that Kovacic has a really low release clause and he's certainly leaving that originated in sport so the first thing that i did is i looked around i saw that other newspapers were reporting it but then you have to click through those articles read down to where they're saying the source is coming and if they say anonymous sources inside madrid tell us then you know this is a like a source outside of sport but all of them said according to sport yeah Kovacic has a 50 million euro release clause right and that itself that means that they are just picking a news from another outlet and putting it on their site which is perfectly fair because it's it is news that someone else is saying this about Real Madrid but it's not their sources telling them they can't certainly say that that's what's going on
2: yeah basically what happened with Kovacic and the Daily Mail and all these guys who picked it up yeah.
1: Exactly, and that happens all the time. It just—it just—I um, mean, we do it too. We put, we post um, transfer rumor stories uh, that we get from, from places, and I think I've defended it, and I'll continue to defend it. Is it is the news of what's going on with Real Madrid, because you can't just ignore these stories. I mean, you can ignore these stories, but some of these stories have um, the essence of truth in them you know and like i think there is some some truth to the idea that Kovacic and Asensio are both a little bit annoyed at their playing time and are maybe you know jostling with Madrid to try to get a raise and you know if worst comes to worst thinking about about other options you know yeah yeah all right we got to we got to wrap this up because the game's are starting so we're going to go through this um last question is uh, Sajid Rayaz um <clears throat> asked us uh all right how will Lopetegui set up um, for Spain, he preferred the four-two-three-one formation, um, which is our preferred formation. Blah blah. Let's sorry, Sigi. Let's see. Sorry, um, let's see. Uh, Will he have basically a double pivot? Um, okay. So, how do you think it's going to go? Um, well, I, I can't say. I like a four-two-three-one. I think Lopetegui likes himself a four-two-three-one also. <laughs> Well, Sajid's
2: point is that if, you know, although we like four-two-three-one on the pod, Lopetegui's 4 2, 3, 1 might be different because it's it could be, you know, Busquets and either Koki or Thiago, whereas uh, if you did that in Real Madrid, it could be Casemiro and someone else. I think that's generally fine. I will say I don't like Busquets and Del Pivot as much as I like him as an anchor. Um, yeah. You know, f- as a single pivot where he can snuff out attacks and it's quite clear what his role is. Um, not to say that it can't work in it and it doesn't work. I, you know, we saw Casemiro and Kovacic double pivot in Paris and those two were phenomenal, like in that, in that scheme. So it's not to say that it can't work and it won't. Um, we've seen 4 3 one done successfully. We've seen double pivots done successfully. Um, with players, we don't necessarily expect them to thrive in that role, but it can happen. Um, I guess, um... Yeah, well, what was the question? Wouldn't,
1: it wouldn't shock me. He's just, what are, yeah. what are your thoughts on that? Man? I wouldn't shock me if he, he used that, if he rolled it out. I wouldn't shock me if he rolled out a 4-3-3 that played more like a 4-2-3-1. <laughs> yeah, wouldn't Lopetegui
2: sho- has given us like six different schemes in yeah. the qualifying phase. Like, I don't think he'll be stuck to one scheme.
1: We've been seeing a 4-1-4-1 too, which is another scheme that Madrid could definitely run out, I think. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's it's there's plenty of other stuff there. Yeah. Um, too. what's your take on Milinkovic-Savic? Is he a future Modric replacement, and is he worth the hype he's getting?
2: We answered this last week, I think. That, so maybe this question came in after the patron podcast last yeah. week. Um, well, but,
1: we, we both yeah. said he for the money that they're talking about, which is like $150 million, there's no chance that Madrid will bring him in. I also would say Madrid already have this position extremely covered, so extremely. I don't think they're going to get him.
2: I mean, he's a, he's a phenomenal talent.
1: He is. Yeah, it's also a big body. That yeah. was what really shocked me about him. He's he's got more size on him. He's he's probably maybe got a couple inches on Crows. His body reminds me of Paul Pogba actually in that and who plays in that basically the same position. So. It was interesting. That was like the one thing that really stuck out to me about him. Like he's obviously extremely talented, young, great player. He's also like a big dude. And like that's a fascinating um, character set, <laughs> trait set for someone with that type of body. So I
2: mean, with everything that Kovac is just saying right now, imagine the message you sent him if you just signed milinkovic Savage right now. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's pretty bad not a good look no we're not like that's that's the thing the amount of money plus um the fact that kochic is already basically the exact same position play plus like sabadios plus all these other things plus marcos there's so many other players that play this fucking position sorry it's just i don't think this gonna happen no chance yeah um all right well that is your patron only pod we have three minutes before the next set of games so um Patreon i'm gonna shout g- outs Patron shout out Let's go, go, yeah. go. Uh, <laughs> we love you all. Three. We'll get this Thank done in less so than much. three minutes.
2: So, shout out to all of our amazing patrons. I think we're almost at 500 now, uh, if I'm not mistaken. I haven't oh checked, but Let's um, do it. Get us These up. shout out to these specific patrons who pledge $10 or more, and your reward is you get a specific shout out on the podcast. So, shout out to Nick DeStefane, Frederick Sundros, Leon Stavronakis, Bjorn Salvador, John Fernandez, Said Mahad, Sergio Monleon, Red Bat, Yahya Ibrahim, Nick Ribeiro, Eric Rogers, Sheikh Atiri, Ian Marley, Dan Berthy, Jahan Watson, Selvin Adolfo, Chamali Perez, Anas Alazawi, Raul Gutierrez, Anthony Vasquez, Armand Gassi, Urim James, Raghav Potluri, Jason Fitz, Anton Hackberg, Jimmy Obey, Solomon Ortiz, Jeanette, and Daniel Smith. Sorry if I butchered anyone's name, please send me uh, an email or a message on Patreon and chastise me. I'm I'm very sorry if I did that. Especially, it, some of these can it kind of just becomes a tongue twister after after a certain point. But thank you <laughs> d- to all of you. You guys are amazing.
1: Thank you so much. And uh, ala Madrid, enjoy the rest of the World Cup.
2: ala Madrid.
0: You're looking for meaning and purpose in your work. Hello! Hello! Hello? We all are. Every year, Harvard Business School Executive Education helps executives like you reevaluate goals and develop both personally and professionally to turn their careers into their callings. Don't be different. Be changed. Go. Start by going to hbs.me slash go. That's hbs.me slash go. one offer per account offer subject to change 12.99 per month value offer valid for new amazon prime members metro customers may notice reduced speeds versus some t-mobile customers video at 4 p capable device required see store for details and terms and conditions